This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce, made specially for you. So if you like hot sauce, you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's the hot sauce that bites back. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. Well, another year, another Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Did you watch it? Did you not watch it? Do you even care anymore? Well, we do. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. From start to finish, we're going to give you the rundown. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. Listen in and find out. Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amanda, for that wonderful introduction as usual. You know the name of the podcast, so I'm not going to say it. But if you're a listener and you haven't done so yet, Share this. Share this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, share it. If you're watching on Facebook, share it. Yeah, share it. Give it a like. Whatever platform you're on, give us a push. We're coming up on 5,000 downloads. That's pretty cool. And uh, actually, tonight, we're going to be talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I think it's going to be one of those shows because my co-host, Mr. Jack Calabrese, for some reason, New Hampshire doesn't seem to have Wi-Fi tonight, so he's struggling. So without further ado, the man who thinks Green Day really does belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, my co-host and friend, Jack Calabrese. Hey, Scott, how are you? I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, Jack. How are you? I'm doing fine. That's Although good. I'm having, I'm having power issues here. I don't know what's going on with my internet. I think it needs... A little blue pill. <laughs> you're in New Hampshire, buddy. You're out in the sticks. You're you're in cow Florida. country. I mean, come on. Hey, listen. We're more advanced down here. Yes, uh, yes. I can tell. Just just a, a word of advice before the show even starts. Don't strum that fucking guitar. I see it's facing outwards. You are like a child. I, uh, 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 I heard it. I heard the... <laughs> We, we need I to heard the swear. fingers. I heard the we, we, skin. We need, the, we need to get a, a swear jar for the guitar. Yeah. I heard the skin rubbing on the metal. So what's up, buddy? Have a good, th- have a good Thanksgiving? Did. Did. Had uh, 19 people. 19 yeah. people. We, we, had, we had 16. It was crazy. Yeah, it's fun, though. I it's, love it's Thanksgiving. It's I think thanks fun. Thanksgiving, I think, is my favorite day of the year. I love Thanksgiving. So always have. I have, a, I have a question for you. Unrelated. I got a question. 
I got huh? a question for you. Okay. Do you listen to music on Spotify? Uh, I do occasionally. Yes. Just, just occasionally. Uh, yeah, I usually, we, 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 as a matter of fact, we have a milk crates and turntables, Spotify playlist. That's pretty extensive. Yes. So if you're listening, check out the milk crates and turntables, Spotify playlist. You can't go wrong. It's loaded up with everything. Uh, I mostly listen though on, uh, Amazon. Okay. Amazon music. The reason I ask is in the event that you do listen to at least some music on Spotify, there's kind of a fun thing that they do every year. And it actually came out today. Uh, let me so guess. They, let me guess. They tell you how many minutes you listen to music, who you listen to, and who the top people were that you listen to. No, yeah, I know that. They, did, they, do, they do it in such a way that it's kind of wrapped up in this little, little kind of video format. Ah, uh, okay. Now. Okay. So there's three people that live in my house, my daughter, Vanessa, myself, and my wife. In 2021... Who listened to the most music? Deb. Deb by a the beautiful and brilliant and smart, intelligent Deb. The Did I say beautiful? Men, <laughs> the bad taste in men, Deb. <laughs> How many minutes? So I, I was at forty-eight thousand minutes. Wow. Vanessa, I think, was somewhere in the sixties. Deborah was at ninety-eight thousand minutes cumulative a total of 65 full days of music did you did you divide that by 365 and see how many average a day how many minutes 65 full days of music right and what was it i'm gonna do something real quick so you had ninety thousand minutes not 90 98 thousand minutes Okay, divided by 365. No, no, you can't do it that way. Yeah, you can. You can. It tells you how many minutes, like it gives you an average of how, how many minutes a day. I, don't know, I was never a math whiz. Anyways, <laughs> welcome to the show. Nice job and welcome. You know I hate the banter at the beginning of the show, but this is a special. We just had Thanksgiving. We didn't have our show last week. So I missed it's a it. little catch-up time. I missed it. I missed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wednesday night, I was uh, I was burning from probably two in the afternoon till ten at night. I was prepping and cooking all the stuff in advance, and just so I didn't and got the potatoes, my special stuffing. I did the uh, what's uh, in the special stuffing? It's actually uh, I take uh, chicken stock and I boil it. I put a stick of butter in that. While that's boiling, I take a some uh, nice either breakfast sausage or turkey sausage, cook that with some onions, put some maple syrup in there, Ooh. stir that together. Right? Sounds sounds good. Sounds yeah, and good. then when the when the water's right, I put the I like the Petridge Farm uh, blue bag. The blue bag. I put that in there. Right? I made five yeah, yeah. bags of stuffing. Five, five bags. And uh, using a whole stick of butter. Yeah. Then once the once all the breadcrumbs are mixed together, uh, you know you got to make sure they're moist. I've made the mistake in the past of having it too moist, and you got slop. So you got to kind of play that game, right? And I put more butter in there, mix that up. Then I put some raw onion in there. Then I dump the whole mix of sausage and 
and that's in butter. There's a lot of butter, but then I drizzle some more syrup. Not a lot, but it gives you that sweet and salty kind of flavor. So uh, we all know you like salty. Anyway, all know you like sweet. All right. Okay. So yeah. right. enough, enough with the cooking segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This that's a first on this, and probably a last. <laughs> it's not. The people right now are going, come on, we don't care. We really don't care. So if, if you're first time listening, this isn't the usual bit. We don't do that at the beginning of the show. So you ready to do a good show? I am ready to do a good show. Excellent, excellent. So Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2021 induction ceremony. I'll start it off. Um, I kind of, I don't know about you. I have a rundown of the, 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 the people that I was more most interested in. So it starts off with uh, Taylor Swift pulling a, a a fraud. She she pulled the fraud. She pulled a, a like a, 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 a I don't know. She she comes walking out as a silhouette, but she's walking like Tina Turner, like that one foot in front of the other. And the crowd was like, ah! And then all of a sudden, Taylor Swift just kind of comes out, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. So she sings a song. And then she goes on to introduce, and she's going to induct uh, Carol King, who should have been in before fucking Green Day. <laughs> Everybody before. that in that show should have been in before Green Day, but oh, stop it. No, Green anyways, Day, Green Day belongs in the rock and roll. No, not before all these people. No, before Tina Turner. Are you yeah, fucking but, kidding me? But here's here's the challenge with um, you know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They have such a backlog of people that belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, but they're tr- they're trying to balance things in that they want to try to keep the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame relevant. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Green Day is relevant, but they're trying to balance it between you know the bands back in the day. Like just imagine for a second if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction this year was Carol King. Gil Scott Heron, Tina Turner, um, the Go Go's. Uh, who else was there? The Food I don't Fighters. know, but throw in the group you're going to throw in. <laughs> what, what? What are you talking about? Are you going to say you're naming everybody that's in that? Are you going somewhere with this? Well, well, where I'm going with it is is that if it's all bands that are all old, they yeah. probably fear that they lose the new audience. Yeah. Right. Well, so they they try to bring in people that are a little bit more relevant than what from the nineties. That's uh, that's what I think they do. So, uh, one of my dear friends, uh, Rob Elston, just commented. I was stationed with him for a couple of years in the Philippines. He's like a secret squirrel kind of guy, right? He does some like some dark dark ops or something. I don't know. He never really says what he really does, but. He uh he is a big advocate of Green Day. As a matter of fact, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame T-shirt I'm wearing right now was given to me by my friend Rob Elston. And every couple every year, a couple of years, we have a, a a reunion of a bunch of us who were stationed together in the Philippines. And I think this was the first year that Rob didn't wear a Green Day T-shirt just to bust my balls. Probably because he was staying in my house, so it probably wouldn't have went over well. So. <laughs> Yeah. You're welcome to stay in my house, but that T-shirt is not. Allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he torments me from time to time. 
He torments me. As do a I few still, of you. I still don't understand the, this hatred that you have of Green Day. I don't hate them. I just don't think they belong there. I, I don't believe they belong there. And that's, I mean, that's the subjectiveness to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think they were in, sure. they were in too early. I think they're in way too early. You know? Oh, because they came out with what? American Idiot. And then they did a play on Broadway. Shut the fuck up. You know, it's like, <laughs> that, oh, they're the so play. advanced. They're so... Mm. Da, da, da. I don't think the play had anything to do with their induction. Uh, I'm, sure it, did. I'm, sure, I'm it sure it did. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it didn't. I'm sure it didn't. <laughs> I say it did. It didn't. So, anyways. So, Taylor Swift starts talking about... She's inducting Carol King. And she starts telling... Everybody, everything that everyone already knows about Carol King. <laughs> There's nothing relevant to what Taylor Swift said. So cut to Carol King, who still, she's still, she's holding up. The old broad's yeah, so, holding up. So Carol King is what, 80? Yeah. Like she's like up there. She's at least in her late, late 70s. She's a tiny little thing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, just a, an amazing career and actually got up there and, and, you know, played and sounded great. Sounded dude. She sounded great Yeah, for that age. Great. Yes. Yes. And a lot of energy and a lot of spirit, you know, Deb and I had the opportunity to see Carol King play with uh, James Taylor. Okay. And it was, it was a thrill. I mean, Carol King is a legend and absolutely yes. should have been in yes. the rock and roll hall of fame. A long time ago. I mean, Tapestry is a masterpiece. So the funniest thing I think Taylor Swift said, though, she did have a one good li- one line of it. Probably someone wrote for her. And she said, you know, when Tapestry came out, it gave all us young girls, it gave all young girls, uh, you know, uh, uh, a dream that they could do it. And, it. and it gave every cat in the world a dream that they could be on an iconic album cover. <laughs> it was cute. Which I thought that was pretty good. Uh, throw the cat in there. So, yeah. So, Carol King, right? Anything to say about her? Other than, I mean, there's nothing you can say about her, right? She should have no, been in before Green Day. So, there you go. That, that's my well, proof that, right there. That's, I'm sure that that should have been in uh, Taylor Swift's speech. You know, that's just a very intelligent yeah. thing that you're saying there. Wait. You know, the funny, thing, the funny thing about Carol King is, <laughs> you know, she should have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a long time ago because prior to Tapestry, I mean, she was an incredible songwriter in her yeah. own right and working with her husband, Jerry Goffin. Yeah. Uh, you know, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? You know, I mean, just a lot of those hits from the early 60s. I mean, she was... Just absolutely incredible. I can't believe that it's taken them this long to get her in. Maybe it's one of those things where they go back and forth in terms of debating, you know, is she rock and roll? Is she not? You know, the funny thing about, you know, Carol King and, and Tapestry, and everybody loves that album, and it was on the Billboard charts for, you know, years and long, long time selling record and iconic and legendary and whatnot. But how many people know any of her songs post Tapestry? Yeah, I think we've discussed that about a, a couple of groups and people. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know what? It's enough. Yeah, it's enough, right? So Scott, the IT guy, uh, our IT guy, says messages in. I love Green Day. You would, Scott, the <laughs> IT guy. You would. Excellent band. Fine band, Green Day. So. <laughs> I see a running 
commentary throughout the show. Uh, so then, all right, they finish with her and they bring on LL Cool J. Now, that guy was a star from the beginning. There was no doubt about it. I had his first album, that album, uh, Walk Like a Panther. It had radio and, you know, it, I mean, that was just so, so uh, ahead of its time in a sense of how he was performing. And the thing is, he was solo. He didn't have a DJ. He didn't have, uh, you know, there wasn't backup like, like the Beastie Boys. Run DMC, you know, Eric B and Rakim, they all had, it was just him, you know, uh, his <laughs> yeah. DJ, I believe was cut creator that that was his DJ, but he never really got a lot of the credit that he deserved for LL Cool J's sound, you know, yeah. cut creator is very underrated uh, DJ in the hip hop world. Maybe to the heavy, the hip hop heavies that that know about it, but you know he's not uh, he's not ever talked about in the upper echelons of hip hop DJs. But I think you know, he in, did it. Go in, ahead. In some sense, in some sense, I actually think that LL Cool J didn't get the recognition that he deserved. And, and I think part of that is because of when he did first come out, and you know, hip hop was really still kind of emerging. I mean, don't don't get me wrong; he was a big star. But you know, if you fa- if you fast forward ten years, if he had come out, I think he would have been a, just a monster, huge star. Well, he was a huge star in the eighties. They just didn't know how to mark. Hip hop wasn't marketed like it was today. So he you're, was you're proving my point. Yeah, no, and I, I, there's no argument. I, I, he was at one point the top of the the ladder in hip hop and rap. Yeah. He he just was, yeah. Um. So Scott, the IT guy, says Jack needs to swallow the mic. He's quiet. Uh, there you go. That's why he's the IT guy. Sorry, Scott. Yeah. Anyways, so. I'm really sorry. Is this better? You know, he. do you know? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Rag on Scott. Go ahead. We got nah, plenty of time. Nah, nothing to rag on Scott. <laughs> you can get Scott him Scott barbecue on Friday, brother. There Woo-hoo! you go. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, LL Cool J has the distinction of being the first rapper to do an unplugged. Yeah, this this a uh, it was a uh, very interesting unplugged. It was orchestra. Yeah. It was, was it was it, was it good? It was actually pretty good, man. It was it was so different that it was good. I mean, that took a lot of balls. Yeah. That could have been a major disaster. You know, it could have come off like what the hell was he? But he pulled it off, man, and it was good. It was pretty good. You know, considering. Did you, like, did you like the whole? I mean, I know this. This is kind of going on a little bit of a tangent, but did you dig the whole unplugged thing? I, I did. I dig. Yeah, I, I liked it. I was actually a fan of of the first few seasons of Unplugged. Yeah, and I, I know we t- we've already talked about this. I, you know, for me, I think it lost a little bit when um, you know as, as the bigger acts got a hold of it, and all of a sudden they were introducing string sections and they had full yeah. bands or whatnot. It wasn't really unplugged anymore. That's why I said the first few seasons. You're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. And that's why I always said Nirvana was not an unplugged. It just wasn't. But they were stretching the boundaries at that point. Yeah, seeing what they could get away with. So he was, uh, and he was a rap battle king. I mean, if you listen to his induction speech, 
He says, I want to thank uh, uh, the Treacherous Three, especially Cool Mo D. Now, him and Cool Mo D had a rivalry and a half. They just kept coming at each other, what they call rap battles. And it's, I mean, they, but LL was the king. He was the king of those rap battles. You, could, you couldn't beat him, you know. Plus, one of the greatest lines in music ever, rock and roll, hip-hop, whatever you say, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. That, it, right there, first line of the song, Mama Said Knock You Out. That says, I mean, what a great line, you know? It's a great line, and it is a great song. But let me ask you this, and I'm going to plead ignorance here. But in terms of comeback, I've been here for years. Is LL Cool J still producing? Is he still making music? Does he still ah, I don't think he makes music. He's he's on uh, CSI. He's on one of those. He's been on one of those CSI shows for a long, like so Ice T. Ice T did moved, the same thing. Moved on to acting, and he doesn't do the the rap thing anymore. Not no, he hasn't. I don't think he's put out an album in years. But you know, when you're on top, you go out on top. Now you just pick up Hollywood, and you're getting paid. I don't know. Uh, millions of dollars to just do a TV show. Do you, you think know? that LL Cool J does what a lot of people do and capitalize on his induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and go on tour? No, no. There's a, and we're gonna get to Jay Z, but um, so Gen Lock says LL has a lip sync battle show. Yeah, he does TV now. He does. He's a TV guy. Um, like uh, Jay Z, if you noticed, and and we'll get to him. Um. He didn't, he didn't sing. No, he didn't sing. He didn't do anything. He just, nope. and I think some of these guys get to the point where it's like, I don't, ha- I don't have to like, you know, so plus Jay-Z is a billionaire. <laughs> he doesn't have to do anything anymore. No, he doesn't. So then, uh, you know, cause you got cut creator. Like I said, he, he's an underrated DJ. Um, and speaking of DJs, I just want to say like, you know, Rakim had Eric B, Chuck D had Terminator X, DMC had Run DMC had Jam Master J, uh, Gangstar had DJ Premier, uh, Ice Cube, Ice T had Evil E. These guys were the ones that made these MCs. You know what MC stands for, by the way, when they call him an MC? Uh, no. Mike Controller. Woohoo. Yeah. See, I, 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 I wish we could do more on, on hip hop, but I know the audience probably are, our demographic most probably aren't into it. So I don't want to lose v- listeners, but so maybe we, maybe we can do an episode where you can educate us a little bit more because I know that I know a little bit, you know, more, way more about the blues than I do. And I know way more about hip hop than you do. That's why we're a good combination, buddy. Yeah, and we're both, match at least we're humble it. enough to finally, well, we, we can figure out how far we can bullshit before we're just like, okay, <laughs> just take it away. <laughs> I'm done. It's all yours. Talk about the blues. I'm done. This is the extent of it. So then they come on with the great Billy Preston. Billy Preston. Who just, I was just watching him the other night. Uh, so Billy Preston, talk about one of the consummate ultimate sidemen. Played oh, with Little Richard. Yeah. Played with Ray Charles. Yeah. yeah. It was on a Beatles album. And the Rolling Stones. 
and played with the Rolling Stones. Yeah. You know, and had Amazing. a little bit of a, a solo career. I mean, just he had a good solo made. career in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, he did. So let me ask you this: Have you watched? And I know that I'm going away from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for a second. Have you watched Get Back? Have you watched the Beatles documentary yet? No, I, I'm hesitant. I was hesitant to watch it. <laughs> there we go. I'm sorry. I thought you were a Beatles fan. I'm sorry. Oh fuck I'm, you. I'm sorry. I, is it gonna yeah, did, show me? Did. Is it gonna show me or tell me anything that we haven't already seen in the it's other seventy-two documentaries? It is gonna show you a lot. It is an amazing, an amazing documentary. I, I'm now, not opposed people, to it. Don't get me wrong. Well, first and foremost, you owe it to your audience to make sure that you're doing the necessary research. So when you come on to this <sighs> this platform, what's the topic you tonight? Have something relevant to speak. What's the about? fucking topic tonight? Is it the Beatles? Did I miss something? Did I? Does Scott the IT guy? Maybe he did. Are we talking about the Beatles or the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? What am I? What am I supposed to research? Wait a minute. Listen, listen. You brought up Billy Preston, did you not? Yeah, but then you you took a left turn on me and said, "Well, you didn't study the Beatles. Who does that? You're supposed to come on the show and know what you're talking about. We're talking about the Beatles." Well, you have to understand the point that I'm trying to make here. And one of the really cool parts of the documentary is in the studio. Don't be, this, don't spoiler, this, don't spoiler alert. Don't in give this me tedious, tedious documentary you're gonna tell that me most people will absolutely hate. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. I got to watch it. I will watch it. Billy Preston comes into the studio and breathes air. Yeah. Breathes new life into the Beatles and the effort or the effortlessness yeah. of his playing is unbelievable. The talent that poured he, out of that guy is absolutely incredible. Just I believe incredible. he plays incredible. He plays the keyboard on my favorite Beatles song of all time. Don't let me down. He does. I fucking love that song, man. This song that if there's any Beatles song that just touches my soul, I feel it. That song is the one. I mean, I know everybody has their different that's just such a fucking deep, great smooth song love it love it and his keyboarding is is that keyboarding <laughs> did i make up a word it's i think that's fine <laughs> i can pull that off okay his his playing hey and i'll tell you one thing that no one knows that most people probably don't know that motherfucker could dance billy preston billy preston could he danced like james brown yeah Go check out some videos of him back in the 60s and say, that dude could dance. Like, he dance. was no joke. He could dance. He could sing. He could write songs. As a matter of fact, one of the things that they talked about in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and one of the things that most people probably don't know, is that Billy Preston wrote You Are So Beautiful, the song made popular by Joe Kaka. Thank you. Thank you very much. Was Beautiful I not supposed song. to get that? Was that a test? Was that? No, I was just you know trying to mix okay. it up a little bit, a little banter back and forth. If I even hesitated on that, would you have pounced on me? No, of course okay. not. Okay, all right. I love you, Scott. You are so beautiful <laughs> to me. Okay, okay. So Billy, you know they they do his thing, and then it's time for the Queen, Tina Turner, right? Again, should have been in before Green Day, but 
Anyways. Was in before Green Day, but with, with Ike. Ike. Yeah, who she never really, she got sick of talking about him. I don't know if you watched her documentary. What's Love Got to Do With It? Great, I've great seen, documentary. I've seen, uh, yeah, I've seen a, a, a bunch of it. I need to finish it. She just hated, no matter where she went, sat down to talk, they always wanted to talk about Ike. She has what the the album number one album in the world. They want to talk about Ike. Of course, that's she's like, drama. what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, what this fucking guy? Yeah. You know? They always wanted to talk about Ike. So, but she always she handled it with grace. So you, I, you know, you were talking about LL Cool J. You know, talk about a comeback. I've always been here. Don't call that's, it a comeback. I've been here for years. That is Tina Turner, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, she, you know, in the early 80s, you know, and even prior to that, doing the whole disco thing, the whole cabaret thing, trying to find her own footing. Yeah. So and I was. Came back and just, I mean, who who has a career that has the tragedy that she has and kind of goes into the goofy disco days and then comes back and has one of the greatest rock and roll careers of all time. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Pretty damn amazing. So I was, uh, when I was stationed uh, in Albuquerque, I was security police in, in the Air Force for people that might not know. Um, we did some uh, concert security, and I was always, like, in the pit. I saw a lot of a lot of groups, and I was always in the pit pulling kids out, and you know, the fun stuff. And for Tina Turner, I said, I don't want to be in front of the stage. So I got like to work the floor, right? And I saw her in 97. I don't think I paid any attention to anybody around me. <laughs> I was I was watching her. Like I didn't care if they were like, hey, what are you doing? I didn't care. I, 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 I got paid to watch her. And she was, what an, a great, Cindy Lauper backed her up. And Cindy Lauper's a bitch. I'm sorry. She whoa, just is. Whoa. She whoa, is. Whoa. Wait, wait, why are you saying that? A friend of mine walked. Oh, dude, I got a couple stories about Cindy Lauper. Let me tell you this. So tell me. real quick, uh, a friend of mine during that show, he was, you know, he was working security too. And he was backstage and he walked by her door and her door was open and he stopped for a second to look to see if anybody. And she's in there and she screams at him. Shut that fucking door. Like the dude, <laughs> he was just walking by. Right. Then another time, long story short, the half shell on the Esplanade on the Charles River. Wait a minute, what did you call it? The half shell. The the half shell. The, the hatch. The half shell. Half shell. Did you just call it the fucking half shell? Yeah. Like it's shell. a plate of oysters. Yeah, yeah, it is the hatch shell. Whatever the fucking name it is. <laughs> Have you ever? Hey, been hey what's the, the hey, what's the what's the month that comes after January? I, I was at the half shell in February. <laughs> there you go. So. I was there I, to see the symphony. I managed to, you know, I was, I was, I was in law enforcement, so I managed to badge my way. Half shell. You want, you want to hear the fucking story or not? Yes, please. Okay, thank you, thank you. And I stop it. Turn that guitar around now. <laughs> I will silence you. There you go. No, no, no. Come on. So, I managed to get my family and me. Right on the side of the stage on the 4th of July, my, my kids were sitting on the steps of the hat shell, right? Not knowing that they were, this where they are is almost impossible to get to for anybody in the city of Boston, right? We were closer than the VIPs. 
Cindy Lapa plays that day. And after the show, we're just standing around. She comes out from the side because the side is where the dressing rooms are. She comes out from the side and like there's some kids waiting there. It's like a setup picture, right? She gets in there. They take the picture. There's three or four kids from the Navy, like 19 years old. And they're like, hey, can we get a picture? And she says, no, and turns around and walks back in her dressing room. I saw it with my own two eyes. She's a bitch. That's all I got to say about that. So anyways, Tina Turner, I mean, she's what, 82? She's 82 now. She just turned 82. She's 82. Yeah, last week she turned 82. She still looks good. She looks good. I, I, from what I understand, she's not well, which is a damn shame. She lives over in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, she's been over there for yeah. a long time. Yeah, yeah, to get away from the American paparazzi. Yeah, especially I, you know, to- I had the opportunity to see Tina Turner twice. Once when she was starting to make her comeback, I saw Rod Stewart at the Wang Center. I saw that the, show. She was the opening act. That was that the like the the it was that the first show ever played at the Wang Center. It was like what, what uh, year was 80, that? Eighty two, I think. Yeah, it was. I was at 82. that show. I actually caught a beach ball that Rod Stewart kicked into the crowd. Look at me. You mean a, a soccer ball? No, he's kicking the a beach ball. So I wanted to throw a beach ball up. So did this. did you see Tina? I guess I did. <laughs> I just right. didn't remember. Good memory. Well, you know. Gulp, 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 gulp. <laughs> and then I got to see her, you know, she played, you know, with uh, Jagger at Live Aid. Okay. Which was, which was a which horrible was... duo, but. No, it was cool. It was yeah. all right. Yeah. I mean, it's good to see. Uh, you know, yeah. It's, you saw history. Yeah. Somewhat. Music yeah, history. That's great. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. so Tina, you know, Tina didn't sing, and then they had. I don't know. Somebody sing a song, one of her songs. I fast forward because I'm not sitting through that. Yeah, who who's it was the um who was the singer? It was somebody that was was somebody that's not necessarily known? Was it? Oh, wasn't it Jennifer Hudson? No, Jennifer she, Hudson did the uh, Carol King song. She did. You make she me that's like right, a natural yeah. woman. Yeah, yeah. But the Tina song was actually sung by. You know, I want to say it was like LL Cool J's daughter or something like that. I don't know. Like fast forward it through it. I didn't really. Yeah, it was it was nobody. It was nobody that you would think that would do it. And it, and it was certainly no disrespect to the woman that actually sang, but it should have been somebody bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then comes the man with the oddest shaped head in rock history. If Todd Rundgren's head doesn't look like a uh, it looks like a squash. Looks like a, a butternut squash. He has <laughs> an elongated squash head. He certainly does. It's like it's wide on the like his jawline. <laughs> then his temples go in. Then his head kind of bulbouses out. He looks like a fucking butternut squash. <laughs> That's all I can but, say. but in that squash head of his, hey, he that guy's the, talented, man. The mind of a genius, and he's Absolutely. been in and around uh, for a time absolutely uh yeah. you know worked with, worked with patty smith a lot of people don't know but he was the engineer and helped produce like some of the early band albums didn't she didn't she uh uh, uh do his uh his introduction his induction entered patty smith did yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. She's and got Marty there. Feldman eyes. Oh, stop it. <laughs> she See, does. You're calling Cindy Lauper bad names. You're making fun of Patty Smith's eyes. What, what is wrong with Todd Rundgren's head? Don't worry. Don't forget oh, about yeah, yeah. squash head. You're a real lover over there. <laughs> I'm calling it the way I see it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the way I see it. But I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, he had a hello, it's me. He had, I mean, that just he had a lot of hits, but he was a, a better producer, <laughs> I think, than he was a performer. His performances were interesting. He, they showed one cut where he had a reel-to-reel, and he goes, this is my band. Like, that takes balls. That is as unique as it gets, yeah. right? He's one of the hardest-working musicians that's out there. He still tours a hell of a lot. Uh, still a big-time producer. He produced some crazy, crazy popular records. He, and one of the one of the things that people don't know about him is for a little while, yeah, you know, when the cars weren't around anymore, he sang with he them, was, the new cars. He was in the new cars. The new cars. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. That that was a disastrous tour. Like he broke his leg or something, or one of them broke their eye. It was something like one thing after another kept happening on that tour. So, but Todd Rundgren has one of the greatest early eighties, maybe even in the in the decade, anthems. Don't say it. Please it is. Don't say it. It's no, an it's an anthem, no, dude. No. I no. don't want to work. I want to bang on my drum all day. I can't hear you. I don't want to work. Come on, man. They played that on WBCN every Friday. That may be the single most reason why it's taken him years to get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> by, by the way, he has been you know snubbed like many people have by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for so long that when he was inducted a couple of weeks ago, he was a no-show. Well, and he had said to- four years ago he got an honorable degree at Berkeley in California. And during his speech, he said, "If I," he said, I've never won a Grammy. I've never won an Emmy. I've never won. He goes down and says, I've never won this. I've never. He said, and if I ever have the uh the the chance to get into the rock and roll hall of fame i won't show up it's he basically it serves me no purpose and he didn't show up he was a man of his word yeah yeah well the the funny thing about it and by the way he he wasn't in berkeley california he was it was the berkeley college of music in boston that we call boston yeah okay just just trying to help out. Just I saw you Google that, by the way. Asshole. No, I was <laughs> no, actually. I'm watching you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to add insult to injury, instead of being at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, he played a gig in Ohio. He was literally, <laughs> he was literally in driving distance. <laughs> Talk about the ultimate fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just doesn't. I think he said, you know, if you don't appreciate me, I'm not going to appreciate you, you know? Yeah, you know what? It's it's one of those things. I mean, Todd Rundgren, you know, like you and I are talking about him, and most people, I would say that 99.9% of the people that are listening to this podcast, so all four of them, most <laughs> of them have no idea who Todd Rundgren is. You know, he's right. one of those kind of fringe guys, right? You know, an yeah. amazing producer. He's had a long, long, um, you know, career in music. And he's had incredible success. He but might he be. Never, he never cracked that 
that. Well, he did in the seventies. In the seventies, and then he just kind of he never reached that type of, you know, hello, it's me. And I think he had a couple other hits in the seventies, and then he just went into producing and kind of, you know, did what he wanted. But he made a lot of money doing it. It's it's one of those things where you know you think rock and roll Hall of Fame, you think Elvis, you think Chuck Berry, you think the Rolling Stones, you think the Beatles, Todd Rundgren, right. You know, I'm not saying that he doesn't belong in there. He's had an amazing career. He's an incredible, incredible talent. But he's one of those. He's one of those fringe guys. You know, absolutely. I think he might be known more for. I don't want to. No, no. I think he might be (laughs) known more for almost being Liv Tyler's father. (laughs) Because for he was so he married Steven Tyler's ex-wife and she had you know live and they they got divorced and she got with todd rundgren and he they were together for years and he raised her he raised Liv tyler and she thought for years that he was her father and if you look at her she almost looks like him too she's pretty but she has one of them long faces (laughs) you know what did the horse say to the other horse? Why the long face? <laughs> we both did that. Stupid. Fucking stupid. <laughs> so then they move on to the godfathers of synth. Craftwork. They are the godfathers of synth. Bond, 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 bond on the autobahn. I'll tell you what. <laughs> They they were so unique that it was hard to it was almost hard to listen to them, hard to like because they were so different. And you know, we were younger then, and I liked all that stuff, but I never like it took me a while to get it. You know what I mean? Like the the genius of it. They were so advanced, they were so ahead of their time. They did so many offbeat things. Yeah, but as far you know as sound, did, you know, you know what they didn't have, at least for me, they didn't have the catchy tunes. Until, until, until now, you Afri- know, one of the thing, one of the things I really appreciated is is one of the things that you're just about to talk about is that how prolific, um, you know, craft work were in terms of being included in hip hop, African Bambata, African Bambata, again, one of the greatest. DJs in the world, a, a, a man ahead of his time, brilliant. He reached into a crate of records, pulled out Kraftwerk. If you listen to that, like his biggest hit is Planet Rock. That's Kraftwerk. Yeah. Like he started using their music. It was amazing the trans how he transformed it into hip hop. Everyone was like, "What the hell is this?" And it was just, uh, it was like peanut butter and jelly man it worked it just worked and they they broke through then all of a sudden don't oh don't what are you gonna say i see your face you know what i'm gonna say yeah no the jelly goes on top of the peanut butter no it It does no it it does the jelly goes on top of the peanut butter you You don't put it on the separate slice of bread no that's like a jeffrey dahmer way of making a peanut butter (laughs) and jelly sandwich it's crazy it's it's just insane it's right no, it's not. It's right. I've been doing that two, my whole life. You have two pieces of bread. 
The peanut butter goes on one side. The jelly goes on the other. Too much energy. You're expending too much energy. Just put it right on top, and it it becomes like that goober. It becomes like goober. You know, the the peanut butter and jelly in the same jar? That's what your sandwich. Yeah. Don't. Moving on. Moving on. All right. So, yeah, African Bambada broke Kraftwerk into the hip-hop world, and they, I'm sure back then they weren't making a lot of money but uh, from that because all samples were free. But I'm sure over the years they started getting paid for all the music that went into hip-hop, how, how many samples, all the samples that they donated at so, first. So a, a couple of minutes ago we talked about LL Cool J and would he capitalize on being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you said no, and you're probably right. And then we talked about seeing Rod Stewart at the Wang Center with Tina Turner. So to carry that forward, Deb and I grab tickets. We are going to the Wang Center to see Kraftwerk. Nice. <laughs> be an interesting show. It'll be fun. Yeah. Did I tell you I got tickets to uh, Garbage and Tears for Fears? Oh, that's going to be a great show. Yeah, man. Two of my bucket list concerts right there. <laughs> All in one. Up yeah. here in Boston, when they they play, it's um it's Tears for Fears and Garbage and Allison Moyer. Yeah, I don't I didn't see her name on the bill, so yeah. I'll have to triple check that. But I I would like to see her too. Uh, you know? Speaking of buying tickets, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but I actually purchased tickets today for Bangor, Maine, for one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. Dead air. You fucking just gave me dead air. <laughs> I wanted you to guess. No, nah, I'm not going to guess. There's, there was 15 people. What am I odd? What are the odds? <laughs> the go-go's. Foo Fighters. Ah, there you go. There you go. Not a, not a bad show. One of my bucket list. We almost got to see him. Fucking coof COVID-19 shit. Anyways. Ooh, come on up. They're playing um they're playing Boston Calling. Rage when? against the machine. When? Uh Memorial Day weekend. Didn't we already have tickets for that and then it got canceled? Uh it got postponed, but it's it's scheduled. Yeah, I, I was up, gonna man. come up for that. Come on up. All right. Just let me know where I still got screwed on my Nick Cave tickets. Fucking ticket master. Anyways, it's water under the bridge. <laughs> water under not. the bridge. No, they they say Ticketmaster said, well, if he if he uh you you passed the time where you could refund your tickets, right? Which they never said what time, how much time you have. And then it was COVID. Then you couldn't get through to them. No one was answering their phones. No one was answering emails. And then all of a sudden they're like, ah, it's too late. But if he plays at the BU fucking Boston University again, then. We have your tickets. That ain't gonna happen. It, it has to be at that venue. Yeah, that's what they told me. Yeah. yeah. How thrilled would you be if they Ticketmaster called up and said, "Hey, we have good news. No, Nick Cave is not playing BU, but as a consolation, we're actually going to give you two tickets to see Cindy Lauper." Yeah, I'll eat the money. <laughs> so moving on to Jack's pick of the year, the Go Go's. Now, all I'm going to say about this is Drew Barrymore was so fucking irritating. So over the top. It was total like, ugh. Like, it was just blatant. Just shut up. It's the Go-Go's. Anyways, take it away. 
all yours, buddy. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we've we've talked about this over and over, but they're a band that deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They probably should have been in earlier. They accomplished a lot of things that uh, a lot of other women acts, men Would acts, they have made it in the 70s? Acts, Would they have made it in the 70s? No. They did kind of make it in the 70s. No, That's where the go-go started. Yeah, MTV band. They're an MTV band. They're not just an MTV band. They, they were an FM radio band. They Because of MTV. Police. No, come on now. Yeah. That's not yeah. right. Anyways. There's a, look, you know, you're talking about a band that was not produced or put together by somebody that they weren't any prepackaged thing. These were women that wanted to play punk music and were part of the punk scene out on the West Coast. Look, I don't, they, I don't they, dislike they, the Go Go's. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't yeah, dislike yeah, them. It sounds like it. No, I don't dislike them. I, I, I like them. I mean, I listen to their music. This town is probably my favorite Go Go song. It's That's got that darker, deeper, well. more of a, you yeah, know, more of a, a little, rock, little edgy, little, yeah, edgy. a little edgy. Um, I just don't think they. I mean, I just don't think they belong in the Rock and Hall of Fame now. I, again, yeah, it well, doesn't mean what, I don't you, like you made, them. You may not like the fact that they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they attained a level of success that had not been accomplished previously and has not been accomplished since. Interesting observation that I made to myself. And and it's it's very interesting. Let me finish. (laughs) Anyways, so, you know, Belinda Carlisle was like the face of the Go-Go's, right? But I think Jane Weedland holds her own as far as popularity to 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 Belinda Carlisle. I think Jane Weedland actually is more of the face of the Go-Go's than Belinda Carlisle. They are they are definitely the two um kind of front people, but the 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 funny thing is is that neither of them are really the heart and soul of the Go-Go's. The real heart and soul of the Go-Go's was Charlotte Caffey. Yeah. She was the one that wrote, you know, most of the songs. She was the 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 engine behind the Go-Go's. Yeah. She was also the one that was on heroin a lot of the time in the early days. Yeah. Yeah, they but were that was, bad that was, girls. That was, that was one of the reasons why those girls had uh, some real problems is that, you know, especially Belinda Carlisle, who was the singer, you know, so when you're the singer, you're almost regarded as the leader of the band, but she probably made far, far less than Jane Weedland. Yeah. And Charlotte Caffrey, because, you know, they were the ones that actually wrote, wrote the songs. The songs they, yeah. they got, they got publishing and, and whatnot. And yeah. that was one of the things that really, you know, kind of splintered that, that band. And I, and I have to tell you, you were just talking about Jane at one point in their career, they actually sat everybody down and said that look, we want to split all of the songwriting four ways or five ways, whatever the number is, equally. And Jane had just written like 90% of their last album, and she was saying, that's fine for the next record, but I just wrote this whole record. Yeah. And they were like, nope, nope. And that was the thing that actually drove her out of the band. Yeah. Yeah. Legendary band. Great story. Yeah. Great history. Like I said, just because I badmouth them because they don't, I don't think that doesn't mean I don't like them. I don't like Green Day, but I, I, I give the Go Go's more respect than Green Day. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. All, All right. right. So we already know about the Go Go's. Now, 
becomes one of the big guns of the night. Now, we, we recently did a show or a little while back of best intros, right? What we thought were the best intros. And I left a lot of, like, hip-hop out, right? Because just, again, it's we really don't um, talk too much about hip-hop. So, but I'll tell you what. Jay-Z, one of the greatest rappers of all time, he is argue he could arguably be the best. And I heard that, by the way. I hear your guitar. Stop it. Anyways, I got monitors on. These aren't just regular headphones. I hear everything. He has, I'm, I'm going to take a couple, a minute, a, maybe a minute and a half, and I'm going to give you five great intros. And this is just five. Jay-Z was a master at putting these together. I'm going to give you the first one. Here we go. All right. Of course, we have technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, but we got time. Let me see. Scott Locke, Jay-Z, fantastic. Top two or three favorite artists. All right. That's let's see good. what we got. All right. This is the, the first intro. Let's see if it plays now. This is a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Ho. By the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho. All right, that's one, right? That great intro right there, right? So then let's go to this. DOA, Death of Auto-Tune. The only rapper to rewrite history without a pen. How great is that fucking line? That's a great line. The only rapper to rewrite history without a pen. Okay, then we got this one. gentlemen to the eighth wonder of the world the flow of the century oh it's timeless ho thanks for coming out tonight you could have been anywhere in the world but you're here with me i appreciate that uh. h to the is o v to the is a all right we got that one that's a good intro i love these intros uh this one is you got uh the guy talking is Biggie Smalls, notorious B.I.G., who was uh, Jay-Z basically looked up to him like he was God. So, there we go. Well, I'm just trying to stay above water, you know, just stay busy, stay working. I was talking about like, the key to this joint, the key to stay on top of things and treat everything like it's your first project, you know what I'm saying? Like it's your first day, like I wasn't the intern. Like, that's how you try to treat things, like just stay hungry. Uh, uh, uh. 
Y'all wanna know why you don't stop? Y'all wanna know why you don't flop? Let me tell you. Got to throw Biggie in there. And this is, this might be the best intro in the history of music. Right now. All right. I mean, I'm going to turn this one all the way up. Maybe. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rap You know who produced this song? Cindy Long. Rick Rubin. Great video, too. If you ever want to see a great video, 99 so, Problems by Jay-Z. So, you know, you're you a big hip-hop guy. Yeah. Not not the current hip-hop. It's... Did you ever did you ever go and uh, see Jay-Z? No, I'm not a, uh, not a big fan of live hip-hop shows. Do you, do you think that it just doesn't translate well in a live environment? I'm too, I'm too picky. Like I, I, I want to hear, I, I want to, it's uh, uh hip hop concerts. Uh, uh, they're energetic, right? It's all about pumping the crowd up. Unless it's like, you've got a clear sound from the DJ and the rapper is, is on. It can, it can kind of sound garbled, you know? So you've seen hip hop shows. <sighs> no, I've seen them. I've seen them on like, you know, watched videos or I've seen them, but I just don't, and plus, I've never had an opportunity to really go to see uh, a hip hop show. I haven't; yeah. they haven't been around here. Okay. And when I was in the military, you know, I had a chance to see Cypress Hill, you know, but didn't see them, which would have been a good show. They actually backed up Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> so, All right. good. Story. But um, <laughs> 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 but uh, <laughs> what? anyways anyways um yeah so then we move on to the final inductees the foo fighters well deserved well deserved yes yes well deserved it's it's, you know so listen listen old guys like you and i do you still kind of think of the foo fighters as a new band I don't look at them as they're that old. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. That's funny. It's yeah. It's amazing. They've been around, you know. Since, what, 95? 94, 95, 90. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's, yeah. It's been a <clears throat> So they, they were the ones that, that I bought tickets to today. They're, you know, amazing performers. And, you know, Dave Grohl is sometimes dismissed because he's, he's too prolific. He's yeah. everywhere. He's also he's, worth he's, over two hundred and fifty million dollars, by the way. He's he he put out a new book this year. He put out a Bee Gees tribute record this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, he's producing. You know, uh, you know, rockumentaries. He's putting out new records. He's everywhere. Yeah, he's he's almost you know too much. Uh, I I I'd be remiss to not go back to Jay Z, and if you get a chance to watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony on HBO. Dave Chappelle gave one of the best induction speeches that I that I've ever heard. He was just so smooth and so real. And he said one thing in there. He says, American pie ain't made of apples. American pie is made of whatever you can get your fucking hands on. <laughs> Makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah. And that's why he's and that's what Jay-Z did. He got his hands on everything. 
He's a billionaire now. Um, yeah, so the Foo fight is well-deserved. Well-deserved. Who's, who's George Ruthenberg? George Ruthenberg. Yeah. I don't know. Who's George Ruthenberg? Pat Smear. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, say his name fast. Pat Smear. Pat Smear. Pat Smear. Pat Smear. Pat Smear. Right? So he got that little play on words. Fucking guitar. Jack almost knocked his mic over. So it wasn't um, my guitar. It was my knee. He had that little play on words, just and it didn't really translate. Just like Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction, it's supposed to be peripheral. Yeah. <laughs> he called himself Perry Farrell, and no one ever got it. Yeah. So Pat Smear, I don't think sometimes, it ever sometimes, really. Sometimes, sometimes those things don't work out, right? Bono Vox. Yeah, to just stick to Bono. Yeah. 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 Hey, what's your favorite Foo Fighters song? Ah, uh, God. All my life is is definitely one of them, and um, I I you know what I know it's kind of a cliche because it's one of their more popular songs, but I still love times like these. Times I, like I, these. I, I just think it's such a great song, you know, great energy and that type of thing. But you know, I I love the Pretender. I love you know White Limo. I love I love so many of their songs. I just think they're a great band. I love one of the songs I love is uh getting the the best of you. Right? Yeah, great song. And they sang that. They actually sang yep, that. Yep, yep, they did. But my favorite right above that and it's it's just such a great song is uh Everlong. Yeah. So for forever I could never Let me see. I could never figure out at that break and ever long toward the end, the guitar. What are you doing? I'm doing it on purpose. Don't. <laughs> so there's that whisper. There's that whisper that he's talking. And you hear somebody kind of whispering things, right? What he's saying is so dad would take Sundays off, and that's the only time he could ever get any rest. And so. Because we were loud on Sundays, he'd make us hold his construction boots over our head till we'd sleep. And they were really heavy boots. And I used to say, Dad, come on, please. And like, stop crying because they were too heavy. That's what he says in that little whisper part toward the end of the song. I, I, I was always like, what is he saying? Did you ever hear that? Did you ever notice that? I never noticed it, no. Listen to it tonight or tomorrow, and you'll hear that kind of whispering and you can't really, you don't know what he's saying, but you know he's saying something. Yeah, yeah I, that was pretty interesting. Now I hit my mic. Jesus Christ. See? See? Yeah. And I think. Uh, let you sh let you should be judged. Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, I, he came up with uh, a pretty profound little speech of his own. And when he said, I think there's three people, and I'm, I'm a big advocate of these three making it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He said, first, George Michael. I yeah. agree 100%. Which I, I, could you, when he said that, did you have the same reaction that I did saying, wait a minute, George Michael? George no. Michael's not, not in the rock and roll. Oh, yeah, thing? yeah. How, no, he's not. How, I knew, how could yeah. that possibly be? Exactly. And, and the fact that, you know, one of, the, one of the best drummers in rock and one of the best bands in rock supports that, is, it's, it's, I think that says a lot for him. Jane's Addiction, he said, in Soundgarden. 
I agree, and I agree. Three Absolutely. bands that I'll, need to I'll, be in the Rock and Hall of Fame. I'll tell you, the, one of the things that I really appreciate about appreciate about Taylor uh, Hawkins is that, you know, there are some people that may not know that Taylor Hawkins was not the original drummer of the Foo Fighters. No. So um, he was actually playing with Alanis Morissette. Yeah, and her album was blowing up. His, I mean, it was, her, she was skyrocketing. Her album was 10 times bigger. Yeah. And he was, you know, Jagged on little a rocket pill. ship. I mean, like, how do you leave that? How do you leave that type of success well, to go and join the, the Foo Fighters, right? Like he said. Who were really, who were really nobody at the time. But the, here's, here's the thing. He he really gambled, you know, back then. Well. And jumped, jumped ship from Alanis and went over to the Foo Fighters. But there he is standing up with a, a, a statue from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of that decision. Alanis Morissette's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, and like he said, um, she's a she's an individual artist. He wanted to be in a band. That's right. You know, because he knew that she could just dispose of him at at, at any time. You know. Yeah. So well, you know what? If if and when she ever gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if he had stayed in her band, he certainly would not be getting a trophy. No. No, and he wouldn't have the money that he had. He actually thanked his one of the managers for making them a boatload of money. <laughs> and they're very humble they're a very humble band and the fact that pat smear left and then they let him come back like dave Grohl is like dude you can come back anytime so now they had an extra guitarist that they didn't need but were more than happy to have him in there because he's a good guitarist too he's a great guitar player and he has his own he has a little cult following you know, all the way from the germs do you, do you ever listen to the germ stuff? I have in the past, yeah. I haven't listened yeah. to it in a long time. It's it's fun. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, then, you know what? I, they, they didn't do uh, a band jam uh, like they usually did. So uh, what I had heard, and I actually heard this on the Howard Stern show, is that the, the jam session that they were going to do was actually supposed to be a tribute to Charlie Watts. And they were supposed to do Honky Tonk Women. And it right. was supposed to be the Foo Fighters and everybody, and, and they, they ran out of time. Now, remember that the induction ceremony that you and I both watched was three hours and 17 minutes. Yeah, I know. I fast-forwarded through the, a lot of it. They had, they had to cut something. And you know as well as I do that you know the three hours and 17 minutes that we wasted our time watching in actuality, was probably more like five hours, you know, live. You know, there, there was probably space between the acts. It, it wasn't one after the other like we saw in right. the production. Right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we left out a couple of people, you know, some blues guys, and but, you know. No, 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 no. We're not no, doing no, a three-hour no. show. No, you're you're right, but I that was another one that I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe that Charlie Patton hadn't already been inducted yeah. into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was the guy that a lot of people credit as starting everything. Right. right. So you know everybody gives credit to Robert Johnson as being you know the you know the he has a the better story because he has a better got, story. He's got a better story, but all of that stuff. A legend, Charlie Charlie Patton. Yeah, yeah. You ever listen so, to any of his stuff? Uh no, no. Oh. Maybe maybe. It's it's great know. stuff, no. but it's tough to listen to. It's very scratchy and yeah, it's yeah. You got to be in the mood to listen to that stuff too. 
it's, you know? it's more of a, a curiosity than, yeah. you know, sitting there and, you know, it's a, it's an educational thing and really kind of getting it's rough. It's raw. It's very what, raw. What it's about, but it is not well produced in right. any way, shape or form. So but what is this right. with Mark, Mark Flynn, Howard Stern is a sellout. Right. Certainly is. That's a whole nother. We could talk 20 minutes alone about that. Um, so <laughs> what is this? Scott, the IT guy just said that, uh, do I detect a 24 hour new year's <laughs> musical extravaganza live stream? <laughs> no, 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 but we will be doing a Christmas show. We're going to do it. And we, and we'll see how we can pull together a new year's show, <coughs> not on new year's and not on Christmas, but, um, <laughs> So let's, uh, we didn't have time for Todd's trivia time. I said time twice in a sentence. That's redundance, but, uh, we'll get him next week. So let's kick it to on this day on this, on December 1st, 1957, Buddy Holly and the crickets appear on the Ed Sullivan show performing what song? Uh, maybe baby. Nope. That'll be the day. And Peggy Sue, Sam cook was also on the show. Uh, performing you send me uh let's see uh on this day in 1961 the beatles performed the lunchtime show at the cavern in liverpool that night they headlined a six group big beat session at the tower ballroom new brighton and walsley uh let's see next on this day in 1964 the who played the first of 22 consecutive tuesday night gigs tuesday night gigs what the how low is that? <laughs> Doing a Tuesday night gig, twenty-two weeks in a row <laughs> at the Marquee Club in London, right? Uh, which is famous for you know uh, Jimi Hendrix, David Bowie, Cream, Pink Floyd. Yes, they all played there, right? Uh, on this day in 1967, Jimi Hendrix, Pink Floyd, The Move, Nice, Outer Limits, and Amen Corner played at the Central Hall, Chatham, in England. Uh, Hendrix opened his act with the Beatles number of all songs, right? Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hots Club Band. <laughs> and then he did uh, Hey Joe and Purple Haze, and then he did Wild Thing, which is a great version. On this day in 1973, the Carpenters went to number one on the U.S. singles chart with Top of the World. Why aren't they in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Becoming the duo's second of three number one singles. So there you go. On this day in 1976, the Sex Pistols appeared on ITV's live early evening Today show in place of Queen, who had pulled out following a trip to the dentist by Freddie Mercury. Them some big teeth to work on. <laughs> Taunted by interviewer Bill Grundy, who asked the band to say something outrageous, guitarist Steve Jones says, you dirty bastard, you dirty fucker. What a fucking rotter. Grundy died of a heart attack at age 69. <laughs> right? I, I've seen that interview. You've seen the clip of that interview, right? Oh, sure I have. It's very yeah. uncomfortable. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's awkward. It's awkward. You Not uncomfortable. It's awkward. You dirty bastard. You dirty yeah. bastard. On this day in 1983, Neil Young was sued by Geffen Records because his new music for the label was not commercial in nature and musically uncharacteristic of his previous albums. His latest album, Everybody's Rockin', featured a selection of of rockabilly songs, both covers and original material, which ran for just 25 minutes. Young's shortest album. Yeah, that was a, a throwaway. Record. 
that was just to make just meet his contract obligation. There, you know, there, Neil Young went through that that phase in the '80s where he did that whole kind of electronic thing, and then he did the the shocking pinks. I think they called them, and I actually yeah. saw him on that tour. Worst concert I've ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Did not do anything. He didn't do Heart of Gold. He didn't do Cortez no. the Killer. He didn't yeah. do Cinnamon Girl. He didn't do any of that stuff. He played yeah. all of his new stuff. He played one song. He did He did after the Gold Rush, and the rest of it was all new material. People were pissed. I saw, I I, 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 I knew a guy that went to see Robert Plant in, uh, and uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Allison. Uh, Allison Krauss. Allison Krauss. And they were all expecting to see, like, and all he did was sing her songs with her. And it was just, they were like, they walked out. Like, he didn't do it. You know, they expect to see that. I watch people walk out of Morrissey in Miami because he's, he's doing his own material and he throws in, like, two or three Smith songs because he's not an oldies act, you know? Yeah. Got to do your new stuff. So on this day in 1987, a Kentucky teacher lost her appeal in the U.S. Supreme Court over her sacking, firing, after showing Pink Floyd's film The Wall to her class. She got fired for that. Jesus, they were bad back then, too, weren't they? The court decided that the film was not suitable for minors and it had, with its bad language and sexual content. On this day in 1989, Sly Stone of Sly and the Family Stone was sentenced to 55 days in jail after pleading guilty to a charge of driving under the influence of cocaine. <laughs> Two weeks later, he was also pleaded guilty to possession of cocaine. It was sentenced to spend nine to 14 months in rehab. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Rick James. On this day in 1997, Kenny G set a new world record when he held a note on his saxophone for 45 minutes and 47 seconds. What? It's Nobody since been broken, cares. but Jesus Christ. Uh, on this day in 2006, an Oasis fan enjoyed the best day of his life when Noel Gallagher popped, a, popped into his house in Point and Cheshire, England, to play an intimate gig. That's pretty cool. Let's see. On this day in 2008, my one of my top five favorite Christmas songs of all time. I don't care what you're going to say. You can crack on me all you want. Wham's Last Christmas was the most played festive track of the last five years. The Performing Rights Society put the 1984 hit at the top of their chart of seasonal songs. Just ahead of Band-Aids, Do They Know It's Christmas? The Pogues came in third with Fairy Tale of New York. Outstanding. Great song. Uh, that's probably my favorite. I know it's probably your favorite Christmas song. I love that. Love, is a fucking great, song. and I love that they don't edit it now. Yeah, some do, got but to, got to got to see them play it. Uh, got to see them play it live a couple of times, which was amazing. Yeah, and too too bad that she, uh, you know, she died so young, Kirsty McCall. And so so and so tragically. Oh, what a yeah, it's bad. A boat bad. run over by a boat run trying to save her kid. Boat. By the way, yeah. so she yeah. died. You know, uh, at hero. least it was a good cause, you know. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Fairytale recorded with the late Kirsty McCall and first released in 1987. Other featured artists include Slade, Mariah Carey, and Bruce Springsteen for the Christmas songs. 
Uh, on this day in 2013, Bob Dylan was placed under judicial investigation in France for allegedly provoking ethnic hatred of Croats. It followed a legal complaint lodged by a Croat association in, Fan in France over a 2012 interview Dylan gave to Rolling Stone magazine. In the interview, Dylan allegedly compared the relationship between Jews and Nazis to that of the Serbs and the Croats, meaning Croatia. That bastard. Bob Dylan. Uh, let's see. Uh, we don't need to talk about that guy. All right. Born on this day in 1934, Billy Paul, known for what song? Man, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones. Got the lisp. Yeah, we got it. And that is a fucking we fantastic. A that's a fantastic song. On. What a fantastic song that is. Go listen to it, everybody. One Put of, it on one Spotify. Of the best one, one Get them paid. Wonders of all time. Oh, it's a great song. Me and Mrs. Jones, right? Uh, on this day in 1936, Lou Rawls was born. He released more than 60 albums, sold more than 40 million records, and had the 1976 U.S. number two and U.K. number 10 single, You'll Never Find Another Love Like Mine. Rawls died of lung cancer on January 6, 2006, at the age of 72. Born on this day in 1944, John Densmore, drummer for The Doors. We could go on about him, but I think we already know. <laughs> yeah, we can keep going on and on. How long is this freaking list, man? Cheap as creepers. Sorry. I, I'll tune you out. I'll, I'll close the show out myself. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, on this day in 1946, hey, remember some of these times there's nobody of any relevance born on these days. So give it to me, all right? Sorry. I know you got to get up for work at like 2:30 in the morning, whatever. I have to go to work in like 15 minutes. Yeah. All right. And on this day in 1946, Gilbert O'Sullivan, singer-songwriter, yeah, was born with. He had the hits "Claire," "Alone Again," "Naturally," right? And that's it. That's it. Where's my outro, Scott, the IT guy? Where is it? Rob Elson, love the show. I, I love you too, buddy. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Pass the show on, buddy. Anybody who's still listening, any other podcasts, pass the show on. We're coming up on 5,000 downloads real quick. We're kind of catching a little. It's like the train leaving the station. The wheels are starting to grip. So get everybody on board with this show. It's a good show. You always come out at least learning one thing and you're happy when you leave, right? At least you're no worse off than when you started listening, right? So, yeah, pass it on. Oh, okay. Scott, the IT guy, dropped the... Look, he drops this in halfway through the show. Like, he does... Is that lazy or what? Well, at he least he's prepared. Up. I know. Here it is. All right. In 10 years, ten maybe years, milk maybe. tables and turn crates, you bastard. I read that, too. <laughs> in 10 years, maybe milk crates and turntables will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. We hope everyone enjoyed the show. The Podcasting Hall of Fame. I get it right. And the Live Streaming Hall of Fame, too, because we're doing both. We're on, we're, we stream live on YouTube and Facebook. We hope everyone enjoyed the show. Buy some hot sauce, like and subscribe, and have yourselves a great night. Once again, everybody, thank you for listening. You are the engine that drives this show. And doing this show, I can speak for Jack when I quote my favorite artist, Morrissey, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. So on that, 
We will be back next Wednesday. Good night, everybody. Good night. Jack, stay on for five seconds.